0: When you do
1: the right thing that's right in your heart, even if it looks like you're paying a price, it's going to pay a dividend eventually because you invested in your humanity.
0: Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to the Kathy Heller Podcast. We have such a beautiful episode today. Jewel is here. She is one of my favorite singer-songwriters and it was just such a treat to talk with her because she's even more amazing than I even thought she was going to be. In addition to that, we're also going to share a clip after that of a coaching session I did with someone recently because I really felt that that conversation could really serve you as well. Uh, before we dive into that, I want to let you know that my coaching program, Abundant Ever After, is actually available right now on pre-sale. And this is a chance to coach with me for three months. If you've been thinking that you do want to do that, this program is really phenomenal. It will completely change the way that you think about money and abundance, and it will change the way you actually see yourself allowing it into your life. And if you ever had an idea For building a business or scaling a business, this program also spends several weeks helping you go from idea to income and to really build a business with ease. And that's what we're all about. And so I think that this is really a paradigm shift and I think you will love it. And if you want to get in now before the price is the usual price, which it will be again in January, you can check that out at kathyheller.com slash join and you can start it today. There's a bunch of stuff you can get working on that is pre-recorded and then you will be really fully ready and prepared for when we do the live sessions on zoom starting in the new year. So you can go check that out. Okay. So like I said, today is such a gift. Jewel is here. She is a four-time Grammy nominated multi-platinum singer songwriter and author who has sold over 30 million albums worldwide. Many of you might be familiar with her album pieces of you, which was one of the best selling debut albums of all time. Going 12 times platinum, in fact, her single, Who Will Save Your Soul, peaked at number 11 on the Billboard Hot 100 and her two other hit songs, You Were Meant For Me and Foolish Games, reached number two on the Hot 100. Since then, she's released other albums like Spirit, This Way, 0304, Perfectly Clear, Lullaby. And this year, she released a new album, Free Will and Woman, that was through her own label, Words Matter Media. If you haven't heard her music yet, I highly recommend that you go listen to her songs right after this interview. They will hit you straight in the heart. Jewel has also dedicated a lot of her work towards helping people with their mental health. In fact, she helped create the Inspiring Children Foundation, and for nearly 20 years, she's worked with the foundation to help at-risk youth gain access to mental health tools. And for the holidays, they've launched the hashtag Not Alone Challenge. It's a social media campaign to raise awareness and funds to make mental health resources more widely available to those in need. They've gotten other celebs to join the challenge like Kelly Clarkson and Maya Bialik and other celebs have donated really good items to the auction, including Billie Eilish and Gabby Bernstein and Chevy Chase and Andy Grammer, so many more. It is such an important mission and Jewel has really poured her heart and soul into that so that these tools could be accessible. Go check it out and join the challenge. Talking to Jewel was really surreal. It was such an honor to hear all the wisdom that she had to share. It's astonishing to learn what she had to go through as a kid and as a teen and it's just mind-blowing that she took all of that pain and struggle. And she was able to move into such an expansion of her life. You're going to be so mesmerized by her words and the way that she speaks. Her energy is just so beautiful. I'm really excited for you to hear this. Without further ado, please welcome the remarkable Jewel. I'm so happy you're here. I can't believe that there's a reality in which you're here on my podcast today. The 18 year old version of me would find this extremely surreal. So, Jewel, welcome to the show. Thank you for making the time to come on. Well, thank you for having me. You're so beautiful. You are like music. Every part of you is music, just your energy is music. And then you make really beautiful music too. And we've all had the real, real pleasure of listening to you tell stories and share your heart and be so vulnerable. And it would be so cool to hear a little bit about who you were before you made that music that we all came to know you for. And I know you've told that story. I've heard some of that story over the years, but would you take us back a little bit to what was the moment in the journey where you realized that this, this was your work in the world that you were going to take from the lessons and take from the quest you had been on some of these treasures and use your voice to share these Jules, no pun intended. Tell us about that.
1: I don't think I ever really knew it would be music till a lot later. For me, I was actually much more interested in patterns. And one of the main things I was interested in was the pattern of pain. I'm dyslexic. And so the way I see is really visual. And I am always looking for patterns. But the patterns I see... Don't always make sense, for instance, learning to read was hard for me because I saw the white on the page. I couldn't see the black, and so if you blur your eyes, you might see all the squiggly lines that go between words from top to bottom. That's what I saw were these funny patterns, and I was trying to make sense of these funny patterns. I wasn't trying to make sense of the type, and so it kind of just shows you how my my brain works. One of the most interesting patterns for me when I was young was pain because it was the most salient thing in my life. My mom left when I was eight. My dad began being abusive, began drinking, smoking at the age of eight when he took over raising us. And I started singing in bars with my dad. We did it as a blue collar job. We sang cover songs for five hours, lumberjack joints, fisherman haunts, nothing very glamorous. But I watched people and I realized that I was seeing the pattern of pain. Everybody was in pain and everybody was dealing with pain in a different way. And some people were drinking and some people were raging and getting these brawls. But everybody at the end of the day was dealing with the same thing I was dealing with, pain. And it made me wonder, why aren't we taught what to do with pain? Everybody has pain, so why aren't we taught what to do with it? And the great thing about bars is you have a front row seat to people um, and how they deal with them. And what I saw was sort of this picture in my head. I think I just learned about oysters at the time and how they take sand and make it into a pearl. What I was seeing was people had pain and they would layer it. Instead of making something beautiful, they would cover it in now what I would call coping mechanisms. I didn't know the word at the time, but it looked like a mountain and they covered it with all these layers of things to avoid the pain and they still had the pain. And then they layered on all these other things that ended up being painful too. And I remembered making a note saying, you can't outrun pain. So that was interesting to know. And then I learned about the buffalo and that the buffalo is the only animal that moves toward the heart of a storm because the quickest way is through. And I remember thinking, be the buffalo. Move toward the pain. Move toward the uncomfortable thing. And what helped me do that was writing. Writing helped me get closer to it. Helps me get curious about it. And I noticed when I did that, I felt better. And so writing for me, started with poetry, just started off as medicine. It was my way of trying to make a pearl instead of a mountain of pain. And I also, you know, later I moved out at 15. I knew statistically kids end up repeating the cycle. I didn't want to be a statistic, but what did I have to cling to the think that my life could work out better if I moved out? It was very dangerous. I was very clear-eyed about how dangerous it was to move out at that age. So I began really studying it, again, using writing, using words, trying to come closer to the thing, to understand it. And I had been reading some philosophy at the time and came across the concept of nature versus nurture, and wondered if my pain had thwarted my ability to know my true nature. Did it change me? Did it alter me? How would I get to know my nature? And so I sort of set off on this ambition to learn what I called emotional English. I realized as much as I had a genetic inheritance that gave me a predisposition to diabetes or heart disease, I had an emotional inheritance that gave me a predisposition to abuse and addiction. And so I had to learn a new emotional language. And so cue writing again, maybe writing could help me learn a new way of understanding a pattern. How do you learn a new pattern emotionally? And that's really what set me off. And music was my own personal, I don't know, note taking. It's what calmed my anxiety at night. That's why I wrote Angel Standing By was because I was alone and I was afraid and singing that song. I sang it as if it was somebody singing it to me to give myself the comfort I needed Who will save your soul was about how do I become accountable for my own happiness? Who will save me if I won't save myself? Am I coming for myself? And so as I began to develop, now it's actually an entire curriculum, these behavioral tools, I was writing at the same time music and both oddly are the two most important things in my life.
0: Every word, every single word, you know, everything is vibration whether you're actually playing music or you're speaking it's resonance and the way that you allow such beautiful, coherent, like you're so available for what's really so. And so as you share all those truths in other people start to resonate, start to light up, and That's such a gift that you give. And I remember first hearing your record. I must've been like in college, and thinking and feeling more so than thinking this person is such a vehicle for me to get close to myself because where she's willing to go, the vulnerability in her voice, the truth of witnessing what she's willing to witness in herself. It just pulls me right to sitting beside myself and looking at the river. And it was just like, it's exquisite because it says so much about you and how much of a Haley's comet you are, because so many people make all kinds of music, but it's not necessarily that kind of a vehicle, and it takes so much courage. But you listen to the story you just told, that story is all courage. It's amazing you must feel you must feel it that other people are having that capacity to access things from what you're putting out there. And that must feel so beautiful that you can be helping administer that medicine. I do think of
1: music as medicine. And the neat thing about it to me, especially when I'm on stage live, is the music is the medicine. It's not that I'm a doctor. It's that you try to, or I have strove, strive striven to be in my life <laughs> a good conduit a good vehicle yeah. to empty myself out to be as transparent as i can and i think of myself as the vase and i'm not the flowers you know the music or the spirit that moves through the music and it's so personal because some people only you know where your pain is i don't know where your pain is but the music does and it's an incredible thing to be on stage and to know some people are touched here for their pain and some people are touched here and it's between them and the music. And it is a really, it feels almost holy. Again, I don't take it personal at all. It's just an honor to be a a part of it.
0: Yeah, totally. It's so clear. It's All of that is so clear in the grace and humility in which you show up. And what you shared about the page, the white space versus the black, it's just, it's like, you are Willy Wonka. Like the way you described it, what I love about it is, you know, some people will, a friend of mine was just telling me she had a psilocybin journey. Another friend of mine was telling me, oh, you should try this. I've never done that. She's like, I just did this DMT thing. And I was like, what was that? And she's like, all of a sudden I could see reality in these different dimensions. And when you were just describing the way you were reading a page, I said, oh my gosh, like no wonder all these creative explosions have come through you because you're not seeing reality in this very linear 3d way you're seeing all these other colors and textures and i wonder what you think about that because look at look at your life right now look at the life that you've allowed into your experience and that you've helped design For some people growing up where you grew up, they would say that's not even in the realm of what's possible to feel different, to choose different, to make something, to connect with people, to do any of the things you've done. So what do you think about people who feel very locked into seeing things a certain way and the things that they're seeing make them feel very stuck and small? And what do you see that might also be available if we change where we're putting our attention?
1: I was really lucky to have been uh, adopted by Native Americans when I was 15. And one of the most beautiful things an elder ever said to me was a definition of power. The definition of power, according to him, was that power is perception. So perception is power. The more you conceive, the more powerful you are. But it isn't just enough to have an idea of power. It's even important to know how do you enact power, right? Because we don't live in a world of thought. We live in a world of action. And so an act of power is something that benefits you and your community. This is only something I learned recently, but it's so beautiful and goes to what you're saying, that the more we can perceive, the more you can become still, quiet, listen, observe, expand your realm of thought, the more powerful you become. And then what do you do with that? We believe you should make sure that it benefits you and your community. And so I think through writing, it gave me all these different lenses I was able to look through. It gave me mouse lenses that I could look through, the minutiae and tiny things and study them up close. It allowed me to have like an eagle's view where I would go up high and try and look at the patterns from up there. And that always really did translate. It made me powerful in my own life. And it wasn't perfect. I mean, my life has been the craziest show of (laughs) insanity. But each time learning, what did I miss? What didn't I see? And then coming to terms, I think most recently with one of the most beautiful things that, you know, I realized a lot of my spiritual practice, my self-growth practice was to try and improve my life. But if also, if I'm being really honest, was a much more elegant form of trying to control life itself, hypervigilance. If I can practice perfectly, if I can see everything perfectly, I can prevent any bad things from happening to me. That's That's not actually what we get to do. And it's not why we practice. And so the sentence, I'm writing a book right now. One of my favorite sentences in it is that we don't get to choose how life changes. We only get to choose how it changes us. Yeah, And so when you think of all the energy we waste, you know, with hypervigilance, this is my favorite drug is hypervigilance. (laughs) Going out, trying to predict everything that could go wrong and being super attentive to it is a complete waste of time. We have no control outside of ourselves. So instead taking that emotional currency, going down and in and saying, how do I choose to change? Right now, in this moment, it's a choice. And you said that word earlier, and it's such a beautiful truth because... Every day we wake up as a choice. Are you going to become bitter? Are you going to come become snarky? Where do you give up? Where do you say you stand for resilience, but you give up in your own life because you felt challenged in some way?
0: That's so beautiful. And I would agree that my, my thing has been the hyper-vigilant, over-functioning, which really is just codependency and trying to please so that I can have some control in how people think and view me and I think so many of the women who listen to the show write in about that in one way or another. And I wonder what you would say to, you know, sometimes spirituality can become material, materialism too. Like you think it's spiritual that you're talking about manifesting, but really now you're just in another version of capitalism, right? Like it's just, it's all fascinating. And then there are people who you look at their reality and say, gosh, you know, Jewel just, she just told the story and I've heard pieces of it before. And she went from this to this. And how is it that I can do that? Right. And I'm curious what you have to say about that whole thing where people have dreams and they have vision boards and they say out loud why they're going to move to the big city. And then they talk about how it's not happening. And then they point to people like you and say, so what did she do to manifest that? Right. Right. Like that whole conversation about seeing wishes fulfilled. What do you think, if anything, is our choice around having those experiences? I'm just so curious since your life has had such a giant delta in so many ways, where you come into that conversation.
1: Yeah, it it makes me think of a couple things. The first thing I want to address, maybe. Before I get to my life, is all of our self-care practices should make us more resilient and more durable, more gritty. If your self-care practices are making you more precious, something's happening. It's not a good practice. You know, if you don't get your yoga in and you lose your shit, something's going wrong, you know? If it's (laughs) if it's making us less tolerant because we think a boundary means disassociating from people that disagree with us, that actually isn't spiritual. There's actually isn't self-growth. So I just kind of want to say that because there is a real trend right now of people sincerely wanting to invest in themselves and wanting to have healthy boundaries. But we know so little about it, sadly. It's such an atrophied skill in our society that we're doing things that actually make us more fragile and more precious and need everything to be just right or else we become unhinged. (laughs) So it's just something to, to think about.
0: That is so beautiful. And I just have to say this because I think you will love it. I saw this yesterday that when people say I have to protect your energy, this guy was saying, what if you project good energy? right? Like what if you're so incoherent, you're so coming from the heart that you just cover everything with a blue, beautiful, loving embrace. Yeah. It's so true.
1: And then how do you also not pretend because you're in a projection of like, it's all good. Right. and, rain and co-. It right. isn't. So, right. This is really difficult Balance. stuff we're talking about and how do we navigate knowing our truth in a world that doesn't always agree with us and how yeah. does it not erase them? How does it not erase us? There's two things I think I really want to talk about. If you'll help me remember to come back to something I call the three boundaries, I would really appreciate it. Okay. I'm gonna
0: Before write I
1: that do down. that, I'm going to talk about what we're talking sort of about manifesting. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I think that a pair is a phenomenon of a good root system. A tree doesn't focus on how do I make a pair? A tree focuses on going down and in and cracking that first radical root. Spending most of its time developing a root system nobody sees. The, one of the very last things is it starts to come above ground and grow up, but we always go down and in first. So when we're thinking of manifesting, you can't think about the pear. Pear is a side effect. The, the thing is a side effect of good growth. And in our culture, we are obsessed With trying to materialize a pair, a car, a job, a perfect relationship out of thin air, and you're not thinking about your root system. And if you're not thinking about your root system, if you're not faithful, and that's the thing I want really to stick in people's minds is what we're loyal to grows, what we dedicate ourselves to grows. And dedication is the result of giving up some of your free will, right? I'm going to make a decision, I have free will. And I'm going to decide to devote myself to something, say a root system. I want to devote myself to growing and to being a good person. And that's slow, steady, loyal, faithful work. It's a devotion. We don't do it so we get a pair. We do it because we're devoting ourselves to a process. And if you devote yourself, miracles happen. A pair is a side effect. It's a phenomenon. It's the very last thing that happens because the tree has been so devoted to its own growth and being true to its nature. And so if you're true to your nature, if you're understanding what is excellent about me, what is unique to me, what have, what is my genetic code, what is my seed? I might grow a pear, you might grow an orange, someone else might grow a flower. We're each different seeds. We spend so little time being curious about what kind of seed we are. And being devoted to our growth and being authentic to it, that we're trying to be something else and we're trying to manipulate spiritual principles so that we can, quote unquote, manifest something that may not honestly be in alignment with who we authentically are. So, that's just comparison, right? You're trying to manifest out of comparison because, frankly, you just have the wants. or because it's kind of a spiritual shortcut to doing the real work of being devoted to the slow work of growing roots. And frankly, most of us didn't have great upbringings. So we have to rethink how we root. We have to regrow ourselves. And that's slow, patient work. And you can't look at me. I'm 48. This is talking about a lifetime of work and devotion. Everything was a phenomenon of that side effect. The other thing I'll say about my life is It looked like I got a lot of change. I went from a homestead kid with no running water to a homeless kid to being wildly famous. It looks like my life changed a lot, but I can tell you I was having the exact same experience over and over and over. All I got is the scenery to change. I experienced betrayal, exhaustion, depletion, loneliness, no matter what uh, it was like being in a car on the same road, but I got the scenery to change outside the window. It went from Arctic to a Amazonian jungle. Looks like change, but my inner experience was the same. So clearly I was missing something. And that's what the the book I'm working on is about now is how do you go down and in and find even deeper levels so that it's not just that you have money because that doesn't matter if you're still experiencing betrayal. It's not just that I got famous because that doesn't matter if I'm still experiencing the same things that led to tremendous unhappiness.
0: It's literally mesmerizing because every word, my whole body accepts it as the truth when you're talking and my brain goes, oh my God, I never thought of it in that way. And I'm loving that I can now see it like that. So thank you so much for sharing it that way. And you're right how you just said that, because nobody really wants to be famous. They want what they think famous will feel like, right? Nobody really wants to have a number one single. They want what they think it's going to feel like to have a number one single. And so what you want is a change in state. You want a change in your vibration. You want an elevated state of being in your own skin. And that is up to so many things that have nothing to do with what happens on the outside. And at the same time, just to go to what you said, as you did that deep root system, as you started to find your alignment, along the way, the world did receive and respond, right? And so things started to change around you, around you. And I'm just curious, because it's so fun for people to hear these moments. As you went in, as the alignment starts to crystallize, what was a moment that you can remember where you went from having the scenery around you, doing this inner work, whether you were conscious of it or not, And then here's what happened. And you went, holy smokes, I just bumped into this experience where I walked into this place and now this person wants to put me on this thing. What was one of those moments? Because I think those moments are just so exciting for people to hear, especially as a reflection of the alignment work, which is clear. I mean, listening to you for one second, you can hear that that's so.
1: Yeah. Every time that I invested in my character, magic happened. And it didn't seem like it in the short term. The best example I can think of was when I was 18, I was struggling to get by. I was taking care of my mom, who was sick. was working in a computer warehouse, and my boss propositioned me. He wanted to have sex with me. And I needed the money so badly. And I turned him down, and I went in for my paycheck the next day, and he wouldn't give me my paycheck. I had no recourse. I went home. My landlord said we would have to move out because I was past due in my rent. And I started living in my car thinking it wouldn't last very long. I would get another job. But I had bad kidneys and I was having panic attacks. I was agoraphobic. And my life got worse. My car got stolen and I started living on the street. So, right. It looks like terrible, right? That looks like this guy ruined my life. It looks like maybe I should have just slept with the guy and just gotten my rent money and sucked it up and moved on with my life. So it looks like I made a really, and I did, it was a painful decision. Looks like it didn't pay off. It ended up being the most miraculous investment I ever made. We all think of stock markets, right? You want to put your money in a good stock that grows dividends. When I invested in my character, every time I've invested in my own humanity, it has paid dividends that are some kind of quantum math. I can't even figure out the returns that is paid off. Because while I was homeless, I started shoplifting. I realized shoplifting was going to end me up in jail. I remembered this quote, happiness doesn't depend on who you are, or what you have. It depends on what you think. I couldn't tell what I was thinking, but I wanted to turn my life around by my thoughts. So I started coming up with a hack, which was your hands are the servants of your thoughts. Maybe if I could watch what my hands are doing, I could hack my way into what I was thinking. That caused me to stumble into mindfulness because following my hands around caused me to be mindful, right? Present, consciously present. So I started to stumble into consciously being present. I realized writing made me consciously present. And then it started leading me into pathways of change. Now, I wasn't getting out of homelessness. I just started learning how to stop shoplifting. It took me six months. I learned how to, at first I'd wake up after I shoplifted. It took, you know, it was like disassociative. Then I woke up while I was shoplifting, but I couldn't change it. Started to wake up during the urge of wanting to shoplift, but couldn't change. The very last thing was I could intervene. And then I decided to replace the behavior with writing. Instead of stealing, I would force myself to write. That led me on a discovery of realizing there's only two physiological states my body had, dilated and contracted. That exercise led me to figuring out that I could hack my way out of a contracted state, anxiety, by participating on something that made me dilate, which was gratitude. So the first time I got myself to not have a panic attack was through this process. Now, again, I'm still homeless. I'm still struggling to get by. But I just figured out how to stop panic attacks. I just figured out how to help myself with agoraphobia. I started getting happy, even though I was on the street. That type of confidence is what allowed me, when I got discovered by a label, to to almost turn down a deal because I realized I could be happy anywhere. Now I'm unleverageable. I realized being authentic made me feel better. I realized being vulnerable made me feel less alone. And so again... All of a sudden, like accidentally, I ended up with a music career. I wasn't trying to get signed. I wasn't trying to become famous. I was just trying to figure out how to stop shoplifting. And I began writing more because I was replacing it for stealing. I know I went through that really, really quickly. But I've seen this happen again and again in my life. And I work in a youth foundation we founded. I've seen it work for all of our kids. When you do the right thing, magic follows. When you do the right thing that's right in your heart, even if it looks like you're paying a price, it's going to pay a dividend eventually because you invested in your humanity.
0: It's so beautiful. It's so incredibly generous that you share what you share. And it comes from a place of really being in wholeness that you're not attached to what people will think or say. And you're also clearly that whole story was you were no longer attached. You had set yourself free because you were no longer attached, you just said it so well, you weren't leverageable. So you bump into all of these things because they don't make or break how you feel about yourself. Um, so I wanted to ask you as we were getting off about your not alone challenge. Yeah. So I have a youth foundation called Inspiring Children. We work with
1: behavioral tools to help people work with suicidal ideation and anxiety and through this work, I realized fifty percent of the population doesn't have access to proven tools, which is just really unacceptable to me. So we started the hashtag Not Alone Challenge to make sure that we can help get tools into everybody's hands that needs them. And what we're doing is we have all these amazing auction items, like Misha Collins from Supernaturals writing a poem for somebody, like a custom poem. The Bryan Brothers, the most decorated team tennis players. Are going to do a tennis match with you at the Miami Open. There's incredible packages. So if people want to look at those packages and bid on them, they can go to notalonechallenge.org. Also on that website, you'll see a lot of free mental health tools. I don't like raising awareness. I think it's pointless. I think the time for raising awareness about mental health is long past. We have to put tools in people's hands. So there are practical, real tools that you can practice with or without therapy. You can use them with your coach or without your coach. I just want to start putting these tools in people's hands and all the funds will go to starting to scale more tools this way.
0: It's so phenomenal. And I just keep using the word generous, but there is such a thing as a ripple effect and who you are and how you show up in the world. It really is. It is medicine. It's the word I used before. I'm so grateful that you had the courage to continue to have the courage to keep doing that beautiful deep dive where you went toward it like the buffalo, because as you took every step, you've taken so many people with you. So many people have been well, touched. We have so
1: much more to do. I'm honored to be here. Thank you for having me today. And I look forward to more. I can't wait. I think you're going to love the book I'm working on. I can't wait to get that done and come back.
0: Oh my God. What a Christmas gift. I would love to have you back for sure when that book comes out and we will help pre-sell the hell out of it. You're amazing. Thank you for being you. I am so filled up by who you are and what you just gave us. Thank you so much and uh, have, have the most beautiful holidays. All Thank right. You. I'll talk to you later. Oh my gosh, talking to Jewel was such a magical experience. Her words and her voice are such medicine. Now I want to share a piece of a coaching call I did with the amazing Reese Evans about how to allow in abundance and become the light when it feels like there's so much darkness. I think it's such an important reminder, especially during the holidays when we're trying to cultivate more joy and more ease, but there can be a sense of guilt or overwhelm because of everything that's going on in the world. I want you to take a listen to this. Let's take Dina's question and then wrap it up. How are you?
2: I'm good. Um, This is bringing up all of the stuff. I so feel you on so many of those aspects of like creating and spontaneity. You know, this podcast is coming from the fact that like, I was collaborating with a woman who had a project that actually she met the Henson company. She had a one tooth puppet from ancient Italian folklore that ended up in a box when those meetings went downhill. And I was like, no, you can't let this die. And so I pulled the puppet out and started running around the streets of New York with it during the middle of the global pandemic, handing out like magic cookies, just to, like make people happy and ultimately heal an incredible amount of my own trauma via that. Like really, I had just an incredible discovery of just the beauty of the expressive arts, especially when you don't know where they're leading. Ultimately, I did have to let go of the puppet and, and that relationship because there just was not, I was like pulling someone along that didn't. It was her project, and then she didn't want to go for it. And I'm now in this part of owning my own voice and story and and sharing that and continuing with my desire to bring this ancient folkloric character kind of into the limelight again. She's known well-known in Italy, but the tradition has been lost here. But like the abundant stuff, the, the manifesting stuff, there's something so obviously that bothers me.
0: Say more about it. And by the way, I mean, you're just surrounded by love right now. There's tremendous capacity to to give you a lot of love. And there's so much of that in the chat. So just say a little bit more about that. When you said there's something about that, that bothers me, what bothers you about that? What can you put words to?
2: I mean, I get it. Like, well, because I mean, I spend my day job, I work with like unaccompanied children from the border who are in transitional foster care and
0: all of this heaviness heavy pain a yeah, lot of, brokenness a lot, of, a lot yeah. of pain um yeah
2: which i do cut you know god has blessed me with the gifts of humor and entertainment and i bring that to my kids during the day but the manifesty part just feels so like why wouldn't we have manifested a million other things in this world like and then why should i like there's something that feels like oh, god, keep going keep this.
0: going why go say, go further come on go further this is so good why wouldn't we have what? What does that mean? Say more about that. Who's we? The levels why would... of like equality and justice and uh, why wouldn't we manifest a caring society?
2: Like I want to create what I want to create and bring it from the inside, but I have a hard time with like the social fabric of our world kind of falling apart at the seams, it feels like.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so so here, here's a little bit on that and then I'll let Reese chime in. So there is always always equality in the sense of there is equal parts, darkness, and light. So for every broken thing, we can point to Mm. something that's beautiful. Yeah. And that's the notes. That's the harmony. That's the continuum of the red, orange, yellow, blue, indigo, violet. There's always the daylight hours and the nighttime hours. And what happens is everything is on behalf of the beauty, Because when something sad and broken happens, just like if you bang your hand in the door, you slam your hand in the door, everything in the body rushes to bring it to health immediately. Mm. So does the universe. So every time you see someone like Masa Amini, right? Right. She played a note was so powerful. The note she played Mm. that in response to that darkness, (laughs) <laughs> you see that much light and you can't deny that, mm. Dina, you can't deny, you can't sit here and tell me that that's even equal, right? Mm. Because the thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people who care about this woman who are lit up like a Christmas tree. She did that. She mm. called that into the world, her energetic, her point of tunement, turn that on. That's Mm. powerful, right? People Mm. who lived in New York City during 9-11 said, I've never felt, I have never felt what I felt in those days, in those weeks. Mm. We See it and 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 And the sun goes down and we see darkness, 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 darkness. And the only way we know that that's called darkness is because the sun comes up. And it's mm. bright and it's bright and it's bright. But if I take a candle and I light that candle in the noonday sun, mm. you will not see it. It won't exist for you. There is no mm. light. There is no light at all. So mm. when you zoom out and you look at the masterpiece of yeah. the geometry and the cohesiveness of the universe mm. and how it's equal parts, equal parts, equal, it's insane mm. if you measure what they've done the diameter of the rings of Saturn and how it's perfectly symmetrical, right? Mm. And it goes this way. And every single thing is like a helix, like moving in a dance, right? And it's the best thing ever Mm. because every time there's a kid that's born with some kind of ailment that just created all those people and all those roles whose life is dedicated like you to compassion, right? Mm. We just, we don't zoom out. It's like being at the MoMA Mm. and you're standing like this, looking at a Monet. And you're like, all I see is a splotch. And you step back all the way back to where they want you to stand. And you go, oh, it's a lily pad. That's a lily pad. Mm. Right. When you zoom out and you look at this spinning globe, you're like, look how perfect it is. Mm. Right. But inside ourselves, we can decide to take our flashlight and take our point of perception and our, our view of reality and go, you you because you were telling me a story and your story was, it's damned, it's broken. And I'm like, look over here. And you went, wait, that's mm. also true. Maybe yeah. it's equal, equal. Maybe it's net, net. Maybe it's magic, mm.
2: right? Well, and that's, that's what I found. And that's what I you know, saw you know, through this project that just emerged because I said like, let's stop thinking, let's just go play. And then we started playing. And I saw in very dark corners of New York, like, you know, but, <laughs> you like, can so look, but um, like,
0: you can look everywhere and find it. I was at my neighbor's house next door. She's 86 years old. She is an environmental genius. She went to UCLA and studied horticulture. She was showing me this patch in her backyard of this, of this garden. And she said, you know why this garden, you know why I got these grapefruits and these dandelions and all of this, just in this one patch. I said, why She said, there was a fire here. And when the fire went through it, it birthed new earth. Mm. Right. And I was like, oh, and then she shows me a snake that had literally just eaten a mouse, a rattlesnake. And she said to my daughter, These rattlesnakes, when they're little, they don't even have a rattle. So you don't see them coming. And she was giving us all these amazing like assignments and like ways of looking at the world and things to do. And it was so cool. But when she was telling me about the snake and how the snake just like mercilessly ate Mm. this animal, I was like, it's amazing what we do with humans. We're like, we throw such shade, right? (laughs) Oh, we're gross. It's like, look at nature, my friend. They don't give a shit. It's just like, and now I will murder you. (laughs) (laughs) right? At least with humans, it doesn't make any sense, but a lot of humans, like a lot of humans stop at a red light and pay taxes and give charity. And it's like a polar bear doesn't care. It's like, if I'm hungry and I'm a polar bear, I will eat your food. Me and you and most people on the planet will be like, I'll give away some, which makes Mm. no sense. It's actually not in nature. We mm. are incredible. And mm. people have egos and they forget that we're in this oneness and they start to get into resistance and they start to feel bad and low and they turn off all their energy. They become like mm. cesspools of negativity and then they hurt each other. And that happens. That's mm. right. It's been happening since the beginning of time. Mm. So what are you going to do about it? Be like, well, I'm going to focus on this. And it's like, well, you could pick any time in history. Let's look at the Spanish Inquisition. Let's look at Egypt. Let's look at the Aztecs. Let's look at, they used to practice child sacrifices. And people are like, it's never been as bad. I'm like, what view of the <laughs> world do you have? It's never been as conscious. People go to yoga now. People like, literally read books on spiritual enlightenment. Like, We are in the cutting edge. We are at the leading edge of consciousness. It's never been this good. It's Mm -hmm. incredible. But that's why we're like, out of every thousand things I see online, I see someone who did something horrible. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's for sure going to happen. Right. Mm. So this is, I'm so glad you asked this because it's like, you have come to the right place. My friend Reese, Mm. what would you like to say to this beautiful woman?
3: Honestly, your answer was so perfect. So I don't have too much more to add to it, but I know what you mean when, when you're saying like, I don't know if I can believe in this, but I think if you're working with people who are facing a lot of hardship, like what Kathy was saying, you can be the light for them. Right. We can either say, oh, you've gone through all this hardship, so it's going to continue or you've gone through all of this hardship and you can be the light for them that things can start to change. It could be one thing that you said. I get stuck on this
2: and where I I poo poo manifesting, you know, I do want to see in my my line the ability to create generational wealth i I really I do, and I mean, I understand my own ancestry, I understand why I've been you know attracted to working with migrant students. I come from like peasant Sicilian people, and we've I've had to push down so many aspects of my own culture in this culture, um, and now I'm getting those back, but you know, there's this like little heartbreak of like I'm abandoning the people <laughs> if I do well or if I move into manifesting my highest potentials and my wealth potentials that I'm no longer in solidarity with, you know, and it's stupid because I know what my students that come here and risk their lives crossing borders for is because they want to make some fucking money yeah. to take care of their families. <laughs> and it's like, if I can break that, I know that I can like serve that population to such a higher capacity, but it's like, Every time I start going there, it's like, you know, this like Catholic guilt shit, you know, be a saint and like martyr yourself. And I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Mother Teresa said it takes a checkbook to change the world. Did she say that? Yeah, that's that. what. That's her quote. That's her Shut quote. Reese,
3: Reese, what did you want to say? Oh, I, I'm just saying. Every single thing that you're saying, it's so real to you. And it's so real to everything that you've been through. And those emotions are there. And what I want you to do is start to separate yourself from them and recognize that those those are thoughts. And like how we talked before mm-hmm. about recognizing our subconscious patterns, they can come from a to zero to seven. They can come from generational. And it sounds like what you're talking about is generational and just start to separate yourself from them and realize those are not me.
0: Those Mm -hmm. are just
3: beliefs that I've had, beliefs that I've continued to pass on. And if you Mm -hmm. want to create generational wealth and break generational patterns, then you can be the first one that says just because they wanted more and couldn't have enough doesn't mean that that has to be me and doesn't mean that I have to continue that. And you can actually be the one that can prove (laughs) that you can come from that background and make something great. And you can also be a role model to every single other person who's come from that same background that wants to know that it's possible. So you can be that chain breaker. Colleen, do you want to weigh in? I haven't come to you.
4: Yeah. Well, really, it's like at the core is still a bit of this scarcity belief, right? Which are just thoughts. They're not truths. They feel like truths because it's what how we're seeing and how we're perceiving. But it's like, but if I have more than... I'm abandoning other people. I'm leaving them behind, right? They Maybe they have less. They can't have what I have. I have this. When the default state of every single one of us is abundance, that is our natural state. And so when you think about this societal fabric that you're talking about, it's a reflection of the collective unconscious, right? It's like where we're at. And so it doesn't serve the rising of that when we stand quotes in solidarity with the people who are caught more in the struggle, the way we elevate that, our powers through ourselves, that's it. Right. And so when we can stand in our light, when we can allow more in, when we can increase our capacity to receive and be that stand, the, you know, the scales tip, right. And then the, where the whole collective as a whole is at shifts, but we do it through ourselves. And that's really where the work begins.
0: And the other thing I just want to add, you know, because I've had the pleasure of, of speaking with so many amazing people. And one of the people that comes to mind over and over again is uh, Dan Buettner, who discovered these blue zones. And the reason I bring this up is because we talk about money, like we make it about money when really the reason somebody would cross the border, like you said, right, is like they want to be able to provide a better life for their family. But I want to just call on this for a second. So in these places where people live the longest, they're not just living long, like free of cancer. They're Mm -hmm. riding bicycles at the age of 103 and making baguettes in the kitchen at 108 and tattooing henna onto their neighbors. And the reason they're living that long is because they're actually happy. Mm -hmm. And because they're actually happy, they're not talking about anything that they need in the external in order to be happy. Mm. So they're not talking about money. They're not in a struggle. Mm. They're just enjoying full feelings of abundance Mm. because they meditate every day. They pray every day. They work the land every day. They spend time with their grandkids and their great grandkids in a sense of purpose. Mm. And all of that means they feel like the wealthiest people in the world. Mm. And when we go back into that, we're very, very rich. So we don't need to cross into another state, another country. These people live in all different climates, Mm. in all different countries. But what we do is we don't know how to turn on a feeling of well-being, of lightness of being, of our isness outside of our ego. So we mm. feel like I would be happy if I lived there, I had this. That's mm. proven to not be true. Mm. When we are fully in the feeling, the Dalai Lama doesn't care what's in his bank account. He feels so wealthy. He doesn't care. He's not going to check it. He's not going to look. Thich Nhat Hanh lived this beautiful life. He doesn't concern himself. And because of that, he became a magnet for zillions of dollars that he poured into the world in millions of ways. And he did live nicely. He didn't have to worry about a safe bed to sleep in. You hear what I'm saying? The mm. focus is so on ego that it's so on money. You're obsessed yeah. with money. I'm not. I don't check my bank account and I don't budget either. And I don't worry about spending because I'm more worried about feeling right now that much grace in every moment. It doesn't matter to me. And this is what's fascinating. And you reset it at the beginning of our IG live. She's like, I'm paraphrasing the people who she met who had a lot of money were actually really helpful. And what I realize is there's so many people who don't know how to feel good that they focus Everything on the people who have money and how they don't have Mm. money. And I'm like, you know what's weird? The billionaires that I've met, they're not obsessed at all with money. They're not waking up thinking about money at all because they have so much of it. They're on the next level of video game, which is what can I do? How can I serve? Where can I be useful? Mm. Because they've just allowed this money to create 45,000 jobs. And now they're more concerned about ridding the world of malaria. But then there's these people who are like, I have no ego, which is why I'm poor, which is why I hate people with money. But you're obsessed with money. And where's your well being? Where's your well being? How much radio signal did you give your neighbor today? because it's not about the money. If you feel like shit right now with negative amount in your bank account, you will feel like shit with 45,000 or 4.5 million. But if you feel really good right now with $7, like Mm. these people in the blue zones, you're done. You will always attract money. You won't be able to help it. You are abundant. It's done. It's over with. And that's why it's like, who would I be if I left them behind and had money? It's like, you'd be out of their, their subconscious programmed is Mm. here's all the reasons I'm not happy. I've externalized all my happiness and I can't get even healthy. I can't get abundant. I can't get dopamine. All I got is cortisol and scarcity. So what Mm. am I going to give to the next person? Nothing because a happy poor person will give a lot to the next person. So the conversation is about abundance in your isness, in your essence. That's why I say in my next book, Abundant Ever After, it's your birthright. You are already abundant. You have 55 trillion cells. You've won the life lottery. Enjoy it. Mm. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. It's just so amazing. Reese, I love you. She's going to go. We're going to close out. You're so gorgeous inside and
3: out. It was so great to be here. And thank you so much for having me in your community and on Instagram. It was so great meeting all of you. Thank you so much. Reese, we love you.
0: And I'll just finish by saying money amplifies who you are. And yes, it does. In the Talmud, which is thousands of years old, it says that money is like rain and whatever it falls on will grow. And so if money falls on a weed, you get more weeds, right? If rain falls on flowers, you get more flowers. And that's why it's a joke. I've seen very happy rich people who were also happy when they were poor. And I've seen very miserable rich people who were miserable when they were poor because they thought, they thought if they could just get that billion, that'd be everything. And then you go, look at you. You are miserable. Nothing mm-hmm. has changed for you. In fact, you're worse off because now you're like, shackled to a business on top of everything else and you have it's like it's just fascinating right it really is fascinating but I hope that this gives you a little bit of perspective so you can just go enjoy your life
2: yeah beautiful
0: that generational wealth you can change that you can let Mm -hmm. that in you can have Mm -hmm. it and then Mm -hmm. what happens is you just will pour it into the people around you Mm. of course that's all that only happens right? Like Oprah, just, said, Oprah said, I'm, I'm a custodian of this wealth. You're just a custodian of it. Where are you going to write those checks? Mm-hmm. Where are you going to put them?
2: It feels so great to be held in such a gorgeous circle like this, the support. That you're feels-
0: gorgeous. Look at your empathy. Mm-hmm. Look at your <laughs> compassion. Mm-hmm. Look how you're able to sustain yourself even inside of a vortex like that. <laughs> and by the way, sometimes you think, Well, maybe I actually could do more if I stepped out of this Mm. and I went and created tons of generational wealth, and then just gave a lot of money to these people. Maybe I would serve. And it depends. You have to check in with yourself. Some people are meant to be a nurse in the ER. Mm -hmm. Some people are meant to do something else. You Mm. have to check in. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe there's a pivot coming
2: Mm. Mm.
0: because it is a lot. It's a lot to be around static where people's paradigm is all broken pieces of scarcity and separation and how everything is external and not internal. That is hard to be around. It's hard to hear it. It's painful. It hurts. Mm -hmm. Right. It Mm -hmm. hurts. So you guys, thank you for Dina. I mean, so much love and light, what you just brought in so powerful. Thank you. I hope that both of these were valuable to you. A big thanks to Dina for opening up her heart and sharing with us and letting us play this for you. I think a lot of us can relate to those feelings she had, so I'm really glad that she raised the topic. You can give her some love. She's on Instagram at IamDinaGregory, and her sub stack is DinaGregory.substack.com. Okay, now here are the takeaways. Number one, you can't outrun pain. Be the buffalo. Move toward the pain. Move toward the uncomfortable thing. The quickest way is through. Number two, power is perception. Perception is power. The more we can conceive and perceive, the more you can become still, quiet, listen, observe, expand your realm of thought, the more powerful you become. Use that power to benefit you and your community. Number three, we don't get to choose how life changes. We only get to choose how it changes us. Every day we wake up is a choice. Number four, when you devote yourself to a process, to your own growth, to being true to your nature, that's when miracles happen. Number five, invest in your character and in your own humanity. Do the thing that's right in your heart. Even if it looks like you're paying a price, it will pay dividends. Number six, happiness doesn't depend on who you are or what you have. It depends on what you think. When you can become happy anywhere, you become unleverageable. Number seven, there is always, always equality. There is always equal parts, darkness and light. For every broken thing, we can point to something that's beautiful. That's the harmony. Number eight, you are already abundant. It's your birthright. You've won the life lottery. Number nine, you can change generational wealth. You can let that in. You can have it and you will pour it into the people around you. You are a custodian of this wealth. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. I know that there's so much going on, especially now with the holidays. It means so much that you're here. I love you so much. We have amazing guests coming up. In fact, another singer-songwriter, Nora Jones, will be here soon. Deepak Chopra is coming back there's so much good stuff happening here. So please make sure that you subscribe and follow us on Apple podcasts or Spotify. If you want to make sure to catch all these episodes and leave us a review and a rating because not only does it help us so very much, but this coming January, it's going to be our six year podcast anniversary since we started and we're going to be doing a huge giveaway. And if you leave a review, you will be included into this giveaway, which is going to be pretty good. So take a second if you can and get a head start and leave us a review. And you can send me a screenshot of that on Instagram if you want. And I will send you a Starbucks coupon so that you can go get a latte of your choice. If you know anyone who would get some nourishment from this episode, then share the link with them. You can post it on Instagram and you can tag Jewel at Jewel. You could also tag me at kathy.heller and we can repost it. Or you can also text them the link or share the link. And lastly, if you wanna be inside of a coaching program with me for three months, if you feel like this would be helpful to be live on Zoom with me and having these kinds of conversations and asking these questions and also learning step-by-step, how do you change the way that you're really seeing things and how do you change your thoughts and how do you change your vibration and how do you change your actions so that you can really start to be a match and start to call in and start to create the life that you really ultimately came here to create. You can join abundant ever after, and you might want to join it in January but if you join it now, you can get it at the discount price. You can go to kathyheller.com slash join, and you can get started now today with the pre-recorded material so that when we have those live sessions and we actually begin officially, you will already be ahead of the curve. Go to kathyheller.com slash join if you want to be a part of that. I love you so much. I'll leave you with a song. I'll talk to you soon.